This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Well, um, for 38 years, we have been supporting a family um, to Africa, Bill and Sonia Shaw. And I, I, they're the longest, um, the, lo- the longest term, I think Sonia, missionaries that we have supported, right? I, I, yeah, yeah. So we've supported them for 38 years. And they made their way back to the U.S. And it was just our privilege today to have them. But first, let me introduce by video Bill Shaw. Good morning, Gateway Fellowship. My name is Bill Shaw. My wife, Sonia, and I, we are your strategic partners in the DR Congo. This morning, you'll be hearing from her about the work that we're doing in the DR Congo to develop that church as a mission partnering uh, fellowship so that they will be uh, also sending out missionaries. And it's exciting to be a part of what we are doing. And I just want to say thank you for your support all these years, 38 years of ministry there uh, on the continent of Africa. One last thing I'd like to mention is that Sonia, she has a special place in Paulsville because her father is 100% Norwegian. She can't <laughs> dance, but she'll be happy to share with you this morning what God's doing in the DR Congo. There, so that's Bill. And this is Sonia right here. Would you welcome Sonia this morning? So, yeah, so we have been uh, friends, gosh, for a lot of years, a lot of years. Many, many years, and so Jen and I have known Bill and Sonia, so we, we were youth pastors together, so that's just been a few years ago, and then God called them off to, to uh, Africa. You guys have worked in some pretty, pretty hard countries, haven't you? Well, um, we were in Ghana right after the revolution, right. and then we were in the nation of Chad, which is uh, Sahel, just south of the Sahara Desert. And now we're in DR Congo. Yeah, so it's just amazing what, what, what God is doing through you and Bill. So thank you so much for being with us. And we look forward to what you have to share. Thank you. Um. Well, we wish to express our appreciation for your consistent support in prayer and finance for 38 years. And um, even during the COVID-19 pandemic, our support continued faithfully from this church and, and all the others that supported us. And both we and those to whom we minister in the DR Congo want to say thank you for your steadfastness. Much of the world did not suffer in the same way that you folks did here in the United States during the pandemic. Um, yeah, we've heard the stories. Um, and we are, we are thankful that the, uh, your support remained faithful all the way through. Uh, we know some missionaries had to come home because they lost support, but our support has remained constant. And the work in Lubumbashi has continued by the grace of God and through your faithfulness. And thank you from the bottoms of our hearts as well as from the hearts of the Congolese people. Um, Yes, Africa was affected by the global pandemic, but not nearly as much as it was predicted that it would. Um, The CDC feared that Africa would get slammed and that millions of people would die because the uh, infrastructure, the medical facilities are not that great. But Africa is the youngest continent with over 40% of the population under the age of 15. Very few Africans reach an advanced age because of the medical conditions there, uh, poor nutrition and health care. And since those are the people that were most affected by the pandemic, as you know, 
uh, we didn't experience as much loss of life as in other places. Of course, there were economic consequences. We still know people that haven't gotten their jobs back after losing them, um, and they are still looking for employment elsewhere. Churches and schools were closed for several months. Uh, we went online like you did, and um, we had limited access for a while. And our extension program from West Africa Advanced School Theology, the seminar, seminar, the seminary, sorry, <laughs> that we were opening, uh, got delayed by an entire year. However, <clears throat> the African people are resilient, and things are getting back to normal. Normal for Africa, that is. <laughs> God is building his church around the world. Sometimes it seems like there are roadblocks or detours in the construction, but at other times we see the outpouring of his spirit in revival mode. When Jesus and his disciples were in Caesarea Philippi, they stopped near a grotto filled with statues of Roman deities, which was known at that time as the gates of hell. Jesus went out of his way to take his disciples there and make a point at that location. Caesarea Philippi is a place where he chose to ask the disciples who people thought he was. And they gave several answers. Uh, some of them thought it was that he was John the Baptist. Some thought he was one of the prophets resurrected from the dead, Elijah or Jeremiah. And then he asked the disciples, but who do you think that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, by the enlightenment given to him by the Holy Spirit. He said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And that's when Jesus told the 12, I will build my church and the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus didn't say who the church would be or where the church would be. And surprisingly, we know that according to recent demographic um, predictions, trends, we can predict by the year 2050, over half of the global population of Christians will be in sub-Saharan Africa. My text for today is 1 Corinthians 15:58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Stand firm and let nothing move you. There are two analogies that the readers would have understood um, having to do with the term stand firm. <clears throat> Taking a firm stance was what a Roman soldier did when he was under attack. I was reading about um, Roman soldiers this week. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, they had these shields that were almost as big as a door. And they were made out of wood, but covered with cowhide. And um, before they went into battle, they would soak that cowhide with water. And one of their, excuse me, I need to grab my water down there. Sorry about that. I've had a cold, so. <laughs> Before they went into battle, <clears throat> they would soak that cowhide with water. And one of their um, formations was called a turtle, tortoise, and they would all hold up their shields and make like a 
perfect shell over all of the soldiers. And they could move in that formation right up to the walls of the city they were attacking. And because those uh, cowhides were wet, anytime the enemy shot a fiery arrow at them, it would be extinguished. And um, yeah, the, God uses that in another part of uh, the New Testament to tell us how to put on the full armor of God. So he says, plant your feet, stand firm, hold up your shield, and take the sword of truth, the Bible, <laughs> this is not the Bible, but you know, <laughs> take the sword of truth and fight off the enemy. And um, under your feet, you have a firm foundation for your faith. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only basis on which we can successfully form our lives, build our lives. Stand firm has another uh, analogy in the Old Testament. Um, it was the term used for the priests who stood in the middle of the Jordan River uh, and held back the water <laughs> um, as soon as their sandals touched the river. And it was at flood stage at that point in time. God built an invisible dam upstream, and the water stopped flowing until all the people were across. And the priests stood firm during that whole time. One of our favorite French songs, uh, it's called Tenure Ferme, and uh, the, the artist is Tabitha Lemaire. She's a, a Christian singer from Quebec, a French-Canadian. Um, but the, the translation of the chorus goes like this. I must hold fast without ever renouncing. I must persevere without growing weary because I know that one day Jesus is coming to search for me. And Jesus encouraged the seven churches he addressed in Revelation 2 and 3 to hold fast to their faith. Tenure fam. <laughs> hold on to what you have until I come. Remember what you have received and heard. Hold it fast. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. This message is as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. So our text continues. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And I might add from Colossians 3.23, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So if you're a student, you study hard and do the very best that you can in school. Be the best scholar you can be. If you work in the medical field or in another helping profession, serve your patients or your clients as well as you can. Put yourself in their position and treat them the way you would want to be treated. Um, if, you, if you're a teacher, enthusiastically instruct your students in a manner that will help them become good citizens and uh, members of society. If you're a tradesman, ply your craft faithfully. My mother used to quote a little poem to me when she thought I was slacking off on my chores or not doing my schoolwork up to what I could do. Um, and she had a lot of little poems, but this is one of her favorites. <laughs> All that you do, do with your might. Things done by halves are never done right. <laughs> so, as we go about our daily tasks, we should be watching for divine appointments, things that God wants us to do for him. And God planned those things ahead of time, before we were born, did you know that? For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Think about that for a minute. God had this stuff figured out before you were even born. 
He has confidence, enough confidence in us to set up ministry opportunities for each of us ahead of time uh, before we even think of getting involved in those tasks. He's got something out there for you to do. Maybe it's Sozu. <laughs> Maybe it's something else, but God has something for you to do. Um, we began our cross-cultural ministry back in 1987 in rural Ghana. We moved to an area called the Volta region. That was the part of Ghana where even Ghanaians feared to tread. They didn't want to go there. If you had a government job and you were transferred to the Volta region, chances are you'd rather quit your job than move there. And the reason why is because of the dark magic that was going on in that area. Um, the, voodoo, the Volta region is the source of what is known on this side of the Atlantic as the voodoo religion. So whenever government, like I said, <laughs> They didn't want to go, um, so they put the rookie missionaries there. <laughs> um, and in certain parts of the region, there were blood-soaked idols in front of every little house where sacrifices had been made to appease the gods, the spirits. And when we arrived in 1987, there were only five churches in this area. Um, between, it's between the Volta River and the Togo border, on the west and east, and then north, uh, the northern border was Burkina Faso, the southern border was the Gulf of Guinea, the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and uh, we worked with newly graduated pastors to plant churches throughout the region. And by the time we left uh, Ghana eight years later, there were over 50 churches in the region. So it was growing. And uh, we hadn't been back for 25 years. But in 2019, we were able to return for a visit with some of those churches and those young pastors that we worked with who are now nearing retirement age. <laughs> and um, now there are over 300 churches in that region. And we were in a pastor's meeting in Nkwanta, up in the northern part of the region. And Bill was talking to these young pastors about the way it was back then with the, the um, things that go bump in the night and the idols and um, going into villages where uh, we wanted to plant a church. And the, uh, the chief would say, no, you can't come here. But now there's a church there. And one of the young pastors piped up and he said, you know, Pastor Bill, it's not like that anymore. Things have changed. Your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Be durable, steady, sturdy. Don't allow the tremors of life's upsetting circumstances to shake you apart. In the past 16 years, we've overseen the construction of two different Bible schools, one in Chad and one in DR Congo. And the key to guaranteeing that those buildings will remain standing is how the concrete is spread over the steel rebar that has been properly wired together and it's held in the correct position in the center of the pore. If the rebar floats to the surface or sinks to the bottom, the base of the structure will soon begin to crumble and the building will not um, be sturdy, eventually it will fall. In the same manner, we must rely on the Lord to hold us together. He needs to be the center of our life, right in the middle of that pore. All things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and him, in him all things hold together. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. The Bible school in Chad had only been holding classes for about a year when we were invited to leave due to differences in the approach of ministry. <laughs> that was in 2010. 
It was a difficult time in our lives and frankly kind of depressing. Um, but through it, we learned the truth of Jesus' words spoken in Caesarea Philippi. I will build my church. Last April in Lome, Togo, Bill attended a meeting of all the site directors for West Africa Advanced School of Theology Extensions. And while he was there, he bumped into the current president at that school in Chad. Pastor Daniel gave us a report of the fruit of our labor there. Since our departure, 89 students have graduated from that school, and the number of churches in Chad have, has greatly expanded into areas where we never thought there would uh, be a church because of the Muslim influence. For example, the city of Ati, which has historically been 100% Muslim, it's up in the Sahara Desert, and it now has an Assemblies of God church pastored by one of those new graduates. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. A few weeks ago, we received an invitation to return to Chad to teach some block courses at the school we started in that mostly Muslim nation. We've not yet confirmed a date, but we hope to be back in the next year or so. Um, our latest ministry, five years ago, the pastor of La Parole Eternel, which is the largest um, Assemblies of God church in Lubumbashi, it's a city of five million where we live, invited us to pastor an English congregation within his church as an outreach to the international community, uh, those who are there in the city for business adventures or perhaps in the mining industry. The congregation meets on Sunday evenings and we have congregates from India, Australia, France, as well as several Anglophone nations in Africa, Nigeria, Cameroon, Zambia, Tanzania, Zimbabwe, Kenya, and other places. The, uh, plus a lot of uh, bilingual Congolese people who work for those multinational companies. The theme for our congregation in 2022 was the God of the Open Door. It's taken from, <clears throat> excuse me, Luke 419. <clears throat> excuse me. Where Jesus talked about the year of the Lord's favor, and also from Revelation 318. I place before you an open door that no one can shut. Bill's first message last January included a prophetic word. <clears throat> God was going to open doors for people from the congregation to go places where they'd never been before. And of course, we were thinking spiritually that you know, God was going to raise up that church and make a mighty, mighty outpouring of God on Lubumbashi through that church. But um, God also had actual travel experiences in mind. So English opened stores for employment with international companies in Africa. So our congregation already to be, tends to be somewhat transient. And 2022 was indeed a year of exceptional favor from the Lord. Lillian, one of our Nigerian members, married and moved with her husband to Tunisia, which is 97% Muslim. Um, they are quietly influencing their neighbors and colleagues toward following the Lord there. Another young couple, um, Daniel and Gael, were able to um, spend several months in Uganda, which has been a bit underserved as far as the church, and they've had some issues that have slowed things down there. Um, during the pandemic, we began doing discipleship by opening several home study groups throughout the city. Instead of losing members during the, the COVID uh, problems, we actually doubled in size during the pandemic. So when we were able to come back together, people were dancing in the aisles, literally. <laughs> 
because of that outreach with the cell groups. Last year, Gael, one of the cell group leaders, got an opportunity to move to Madagascar with his mining company. Before his departure, he said that he did not want to simply attend a local church congregation, but he wanted to plant a new church in that island nation. Other members had short-term opportunities for training overseas through their employers. Mama Sadisa went to um, Papua New Guinea with UNICEF for two months. And um, Steve Kamwenye, who's our associate pastor, um, he was sent to Kazakhstan, which is a 70% Muslim nation in Central Asia. And he went to a training seminar there and was able to make contacts with a lot of his um, co-attendees at the seminar. Uh, and he really enjoyed that cross-cultural experience, unlike some of the other Congolese people were there. He was invited out, and, and he maintains those relationships on WhatsApp and, and other social media. And he actually, uh, when he got back, he said, you know, they really need God there. I think God is calling me and, and Grace and, and our little boy to go back to um, Kazakhstan as missionaries. Uh, he's one of four congregants who are being trained for full-time ministry in the Bible school in Lubumbashi. We have two in the diploma program and two at the WAST extension. Um, what, one of the other guys named Patrick, um, is uh, those two are filling in for us most of the time while we're here in the USA. Um, during Patrick's first sermon, we heard his testimony, um, <clears throat> how the Lord called him into ministry. Um, and um, how he was raised. It was quite a story. When his mother was expecting him, his father accused her of infidelity. And he was so certain that Patrick had been fathered by another man that after he was born, he refused to name him, which is a huge insult in that culture. However, Patrick's mother is actually a wonderful Christian woman, and she had been faithful to her husband despite his doubts. So she completed the birth certificate, and when she filled in the name, she named him after her grandfather, who had been an evangelist, Patrick Samakai. And um, she dedicated him to the Lord for ministry, just as Hannah in the Bible did when she had little Samuel. Um, Patrick and his wife Anita also feel called to missionary service, as do several others in the training program. Lovert, one of our Cameroonian congregants, grew up speaking Fufulde, uh, which is the language of the Fulani herdsmen, a nomadic people group that lives in northern Cameroon and roams into Chad and Nigeria. And um, that's currently one of the most uh, volatile areas on the continent. But Lovert feels a, call, a, a calling to go back there. He's already been trained as a medical doctor, and now he's getting his theological training to become a missionary to Cameroon. Uh, during Bill's last missiology class at the Bible school, Ben and Zuzi, one of his students, jumped out of his chair, ran to the front, and knelt down in front of him and said, please, Pastor Bill, pray for me. I really feel that I'm supposed to be a missionary, too. I need to be able to process this calling and know where God is sending me. So God is raising up another source of cross-cultural missionaries other than those from the West. As previously mentioned, over half of all the practicing Christians in the world will be found in Sub-Saharan Af Africa in less than 30 years from now. One of three targets for future ministry in Africa was presented at a recent missionary conference uh, in Johannesburg. We were there in January. Um, 
and this particular outreach is going to take three years of preparation to open. It's to the 100% Muslim, completely close to the Gospel Nation of Mauritania. And our workers will need to enter undercover and operate an NGO through which they will be able to form relationships and begin to witness to a few people at a time. It will take that long to set up the business's mission adventure for those who are selected to go. Um, at the conclusion of the retreat, one of our former interns under the Engage program, who's now serving in children's and tweens ministry in Ivory Coast, her name is Sarah, she's from Indiana, and she pulled us aside for a private conversation. She had tears streaming down her face, and um, she told us that she feels called to join that Mauritania team in three years. She thanked us for toughening her up in Congo and for the testimony that we'd shared about our time in Chad, which made her realize that living in a Muslim context would be possible for her. And she also asked us to pray because it is a frightening thing to move into that kind of culture as a five-foot-tall American Christian girl. So an another one of our um, interns was there as well, Amanda Candle. She's from Kelso Longview. And she is serving a two-year assignment in Botswana and on a team opening university ministry there in that country. And she told us two years is not enough. I want to make missions my life. So the future is Africa. The population of the continent is now 1.3 billion people, and that number is expanding rapidly, with the average African woman having six pregnancies in her life. By 2050, 25% of the world's population will be in Sub-Saharan Africa. So it's the fastest growing continent as well. And surprisingly, it's the most urbanized continent with uh, people constantly moving from rural areas into the cities to have opportunities for education and employment. Africa is also the youngest continent, as I said earlier. The average age is only 19. And over 75 African cities have a population greater than a million. <clears throat> For example, Kinshasa, the capital of DRC where we live, is now 15 million people and it's the largest francophone city in the world. As I mentioned earlier, over half the world's Christians will be located in sub-Saharan Africa by the year 2050. So as we are learning by the rapid changes in Western culture, much of the developed world is now a post-Christian society. And that's why we're training African missionaries to reach and re-reach the rest of the world. Thank you again for your faithful support for this vital ministry. God bless you. On over here, Sonia. We're, we're, gonna, we're going to take some, a moment just to pray for you and for Bill. We had to split them up this week, so Bill is up in Port Townsend presenting today. Um, I know it's difficult to come home and try to... Um, uh, compact all of the stories, all of what God's doing in just like 25 or 30 minutes. But you've done so well today. And I think we just got a, a little bit of a hint of what Jesus is doing and desires to do. You guys have walked through some really, really, really difficult times and have served in really difficult places. I remember when you were in Chad and you were invited to lead. Yeah, yeah you needed to leave. And, but um, aren't we thankful that the witness continues of God, of Jesus. And now we hear of the churches that have been planted. And you're right, like um, 
the, 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 the gates of hell shall, when the church is going to be, is going to advance in light of anything that's, that's, that comes against it. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what Bill's doing. You're welcome. Yeah, and we're going to just pause and we're going to pray. And I know when we talk about every detail, there are details um, that, that probably need to be worked out. And you guys are home for a little bit and you'll be heading back and giving your life for Jesus. Thank you. Jesus' life for us. Yes. Okay, let's join together in prayer. For show you. Father, we thank you today for what you're doing. For so a little bit of your story that we have heard from Sonia today. And God, we thank you that we can partner together. We, we've talked about it so many times that we desire to be a going church. And we go through our prayers. We go through our giving. Um, some of us go. But Lord, thank you for Bill and thank you for Sonia and their lives that they have dedicated um, to you and to your work and spreading the gospel in Africa. Lord, thank you for what you have done. Thank you for what you will continue to do. We give you praise and give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about um, their ministry, Sonia is in the lobby today, so hope that you can stop by. Let's stand together, shall we? What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom. My steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I
Can't 